They're learning. I'll tell you, as a teacher, there's nothing quite like asking your class a question and getting responses, correct responses even. Just yesterday, I was addressing my fifth and sixth graders, and I asked them, well, I'll tell you what I asked them. Coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. Need a bit of help and a bit of hope to continue the journey with Jesus today? Well, you're in the right place. Keep it tuned in right here. I'm Patrick Conley, and I'm pleased you could join us. So I teach religion to third through eighth graders in our small combined classroom Catholic school in rural Wisconsin. Just yesterday, as I said, I was helping our fifth and sixth graders prepare for a test that they'll take tomorrow. I'm sure they'd appreciate your prayers. And I asked them to name the four cardinal virtues. Hands shot up. And that's a good feeling right there. Only allowing each student to give me one, I was delighted when I only had to call on four students to get all four. Now, as with all teaching, this is a combined effort, right? I think one of the things that helped them recall these virtues so easily is that we took them one at a time as a special all-school focus throughout the school year last year. Well, whatever the reasons, it's so good to know that they're learning. But before I get a little, you know, too carried away with my boasting, I need to admit, I'm wondering if they'd all have a ready definition of each of those virtues or be able to describe what effect they have in a person's life or to give me examples of how to live each one of them out. Because just being able to list these virtues does not ensure that they're having an impact on these young lives. So what about you? Can you name the virtues? Describe what a virtue is, give examples of how to live them out. The virtues can contribute powerfully to your life of faith, even equipping you to confront and conquer sin. So it is definitely worthwhile becoming intimately familiar with them. If you're a bit or a lot rusty on the virtues, no worries, because today here on The Inner Life, we're taking up the topic of conquering sin with virtue. Leading us in our discussion today is a brand new spiritual director for the program. Let's say hello to Tim, Father Tim Wichiscala. Father Tim is the pastor of St. Mark the Evangelist Catholic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. Good early afternoon to you, Father, and welcome to the program. Thank you very much. And I must say, you pronounced my last name perfectly. That's rare, but it's great, it's great to be here with you. <laughs> well, you did prompt me, Father. I can't take all the credit there, and I would assume you know how it's pronounced. So it's a good thing. It's very well, good. yes, it's great to be with you. Thank you. It's great to have you with us. And so since this is your first time on the show, why don't you take just a couple minutes to tell us about yourself, Father? Sure. As Patrick said, my name is Father Tim Wichiscala. Um, I'm mean, born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is also where I currently serve. Um, I was uh, stayed here for college, went to a university here called Marion University, and decided at that point to enter the seminary. So back in 2006, I entered the, a college seminary here called Bishop Brute College Seminary and did my philosophy at Marion University. Graduated from there in 2010 and went to St. Meinrad for major seminary. That's a large oh, yeah. Benedictine mo monastery and archabbey there in southern Indiana. Um, and I was there as a seminarian until 2014. So I was ordained as a priest in 2014 for Indianapolis. Spent a few year, two years as an associate pastor and a high school chaplain, which I loved. And then 
was pulled aside by my bishop at that time was bishop was archbishop uh, tobin who's now cardinal tobin out in uh in uh, newark new jersey and he asked me to go study canon law so i did three years of canon law studies in rome italy uh, at the gregorian which is run by the jesuits there and um came back and they so i was at a i'm currently at a parish as a pastor saint mark as you said and then i do some t work in the tribunal of the archdiocese doing canon law work but the fun stuff, of course, is there in the parish. Nice. Very good. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the program, Father, and I'm grateful that you're going to be leading us through this discussion about conquering sin with virtue. Uh, I think there's a lot of things. It's going to be hard to get everything in in an hour, but uh, we'll see how far we get. Why don't we start out with some definitions? I always like to define our terms here on The Inner Life. So define for us virtue. Sure. You know, I think the easiest way to define virtue is just to say an inclination towards the good or even a habit to do to do something good. And, you know, you can contrast that with vice, which is an inclination towards the bad or a habit to do bad or to sin. So, mm. And, you know, the, the more we think of it as a habit, I think the easier it is for us to understand what it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it, as a habit, if we're describing it as a habit, then obviously it's something that needs to be or can be formed like the it's a habit right. that uh, yeah you start you start uh, getting i don't know if it becomes easier but it comes more accessible in your life as you go through time and work towards it yeah sure yeah you always would cultivate all good habits just like in so many ways bad habits are also formed you know they sure. it takes time to really grow to them but with virtue it's something that you that you form Within yourself, and of course, with God's help and His grace, is something that grows stronger. I think is a good way to put it, and something which we can all we, we always grow in. You know, we're we're never done growing in virtue. Okay, well, let's jump into the cardinal virtues now. My fifth and sixth graders, of course, did a good job, as I said in the opening, of listing them off. But uh, maybe just list them off for us, but also give us just a brief definition of each, if you would, Father. Sure, you know, and I think for a fifth and sixth grader to get these at that age is, is pretty impressive. But traditionally, the cardinal virtues are prudence, justice, temperance, and fortitude. Mm. And you, you know, and some of those go by some different names. But uh, so it's interesting. I think um, I was looking into this somewhat recently and reminded that they're all four mentioned all the way back in the Old Testament together in the Book of Wisdom. Um, mm. You know, so it says that that we are taught that. Temperance, or as it says, moderation, and prudence, justice, and fortitude, and nothing in life is more useful for men than these. So these four, as you know, there's lots of virtues, but these four cardinal virtues, we call them that because in some ways they're kind of the, the archetypes or the, the most important virtues that everything else can kind of fit into. Mm -hmm. And uh, prudence, um, which is often called, you know, the, the queen of the virtues, or the, the, it's almost always listed first, I would defined simply as practical wisdom, the ability to discern what to do and then do what is right. Um, and, as, you know, as you can hear from that, if you're prudent, if you have practical wisdom, and if you do things according to your wisdom, uh, then it, without that, none of the other virtues would really work because virtue is all about action and what we do and what we, and, and how we act. So prudence sure. is often considered the most important of those and the first of those. And then, as I said, justice is is a little harder to define people often think of justice in terms of what's right or you know what is uh what's fair but i think a better way to, to define justice is our will to give what is due to god and neighbor so what we and, and that's how the catechism defines it of course what we are to give you know god his what is due to him 
which of course is worship and honor and glory, and also to neighbor, which is, you know, the more human understanding of justice, you know, to give what is just to our fellow man. Um, temperance is, you know, the more bodily virtue as far as um, our, our ability to master our will when it comes to our desires, especially our appetites. You know, so we often think of temperance in terms of what we take in the body, food and drink and things like that. But it, of course, goes deeper than that, which we can get into. And then fortitude, um, you know, fortitude is, to put it in a simpler term, is the endurance or the courage to continue forward in the spiritual life no matter what. And to, to see it as something which is never finished and constantly strengthening ourselves to grow in our spiritual life and grow in virtue. Mm. Very good. Well, Father Tim, you're off to a great start in defining those for us. And uh, again, a lot to talk about in unpacking all those. But one thing before Indeed. we dive into them. Um, now, I, I, as I understand it, uh, these virtues existed in Greek philosophy even before the time of Christ. Uh, the, there was, there was uh, Aristotle and such would turn towards these, these cardinal virtues as well. So maybe just address from the outside. I mean, you already did mention that they are, they are, they are together in the Book of Wisdom, but these do really and truly are, have been incorporated into a Catholic way of understanding living out our faith as well, even though they come from perhaps a non-Christian source, or they, they predate uh, the time of Christ, yeah? Sure, yeah. As you said, you know, the what we call Hellenistic or Greek philosophy um, would include these, which, you know, if you think about it, makes sense, because as far as our rational ability to understand who we are and what we should do, these four things come up, and we can, you know, we come to know how a good man or how a good woman would live their lives, even even in our rational ability. But of course, Christ and in our Christian revelation gives us a much, much deeper understanding of, of these, you know, of this tradition of these virtues, which we then can sort of put in their most full context, which is sure. how we relate to God and to each other. And I think it's important too, that virtues like any good habit are things that we work on as human beings that we have, you know, that we, that we strengthen ourselves in, but in our Christian understanding too, we see them in terms of grace you know, that God gives us the grace as well to grow in these virtues and that it's not just about our willpower, but also about our openness to that grace. And our spiritual life is so greatly benefited when we grow in these because we're able to move away from that which separates us from God, which is sin. Well, fantastic uh, definition and clarification there from our spiritual director, Father Tim Wichiscala, who is the pastor of St. Mark the Evangelist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. And we are talking today about conquering sin with virtues. Do you consider yourself a virtuous person? Do you consider yourself... To have fortitude, to have prudence, to practice temperance, uh, these things that make your way make their way into your spiritual life. Have you seen fruits? And maybe you have tips on how to live them out, or you have questions on how you can better embrace one, two, or all four of these cardinal virtues. Give us a call. Join the conversation. Our phone number here at The Inner Life is 888-914-9149. Again, 888 888- 914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Well, these cardinal virtues, Father, um, it's, uh, you know, it's the these hinge virtues. Maybe dive into that a little bit. How does our spiritual life really hang on or hinge on these four virtues? Yeah, you know, so I think if we talk about the spiritual life, as, as I'm sure you've talked about many times, it's always about movement and growth and you know, and doing something each and every day. It's never something that you're just done with. 
And so because of that, I think if we look at it in terms of developing or cultivating good habits, good inclinations, good, good ways of, of, of uh, interacting with God, then those virtues become kind of a nice concrete thing that we can, you know, that we can work towards and, you know, to keep it from being too abstract. So if we know that we're trying to grow in, you know, in wisdom and prudence, we're trying to grow in our justice and what's due to God and to each other or whatever those might be. Sure. You know, without that, the spiritual life, you know, can, can either become something that we don't have any concrete way of looking at or measuring, or it can simply, we can be stuck in one place. So, you know, so I would, where we don't think about growth or we think we're done or, you know, that whatever that might be. So if we say that they, that the spiritual life hinges on these virtues, what that means is these virtues allow us to grow in a deeper relationship with God, mm, which is what yeah. I would say the spiritual life is all about. All about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We talk about that, as you said, frequently every day here on the inner life, but that's, <laughs> uh, that's the point of why we do what we do. And uh, that's the point of what relevant radio does. Uh, bringing Christ to the world through the media is grow is growing in that relationship with God. Well, I think we'll get into the conquering sin and how specifically living out and adopting these habits, these inclinations toward the good, are going to be confronting and then moving us to overcoming sin in our lives, of course, with the help of the grace of the Lord. No no question about that. But uh, as we go through them one by one, so maybe let's start our journey in. And what do you think, Father? Start with the with the queen of the virtues, with prudence. I would. Yeah, that, that's as good a place as any. Yeah, I would agree. All right. Yeah. So why don't you get into prudence a little bit, and specifically, um, again, what? How can we grow in prudence, and uh, and what difference does that make in terms of our life of battling sin? Yeah. So so prudence, I think, is probably one of the hardest of these to def- to define or really put our put our finger on. But again, prudence is about practical wisdom, or that is having, you know, doing what our wisdom tells us is the right thing to do. So I think, first of all, it's important to point out that wisdom is not the same thing as just intelligence. You can be, mm. we all probably know examples of extremely intelligent people as far as book smarts or knowing facts or, you know, having certain scientific things memorized, but might not be very wise people or intelligent people do unwise things. That's so there, you can kind of see when you think about it, the difference there. However, to have wisdom, we still need to cultivate our intellect, you know, so it's, it's also to say that the more we learn, so there is a part of this that requires us, you know, as you teach children, um, you know, they teach children religion from a very young age and throughout our lives to learn about God's laws, to learn about who God is, who we are in relationship to him, because there are certain things, you know, that, that are revealed to us, certain things that we come to know of what, of how we should act, what we should do, you know, our, our understanding of morality, our understanding of ethics, our understanding of right action. That's what, you know, then the more we take that, that becomes to inform who we are, then the more wisdom Mm -hmm. that we have. And the other thing about wisdom is it's something that, that you grow in over time, but that, 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 you can also, you typically know it when you see it and you can gain it from other people or from, great institutions, you know, so, so particularly we talk about the wisdom of those who are older, who have lived life, who have seen a lot, who, you know, especially for us who are younger, I'm in my mid thirties, so I'm somewhere in the middle, but I typically will look up to older priests who are more wise to give wisdom on things. The church's wisdom, of course, you know, the church being the great expert of humanity in the world Mm -hmm. is as wise an institution as we could look to. So the more we gain that wisdom, then we're able to when we come across any situation, you know, be it a moral decision or something that, you know, that, that we need to act, 
and it takes some discernment, then prudence then directs us towards acting towards what is right and what is good mm-hmm. versus, you know, the vice of uh, trying to think what the opposite of prudence would probably be rashness or brashness or whatever you'd call it, doing things that doing things without thinking, doing things that lead us down paths that we don't want to go. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that, you know, to develop prudence, it does take learning and understanding God's laws and what God calls us to and all those things. But then it's, you know, you can be intelligent in all those things, but you have to also be able then to act on them to be truly wise or to be prudent. So I think it's, you know, again, it's, there's a distinction to be made there and it's something that I think, you know, it when you see it, Yeah. you know, just to use kind of an example, if, you know, to use when I'm speaking to people who are desperately trying to help get their children back to church or more involved in the church, it takes prudence to know when to push, when not to push, when, you know, to what to say or what to, how to invite without seeming judgmental or without pushing further away. All these kind of things are constantly things that, that the more prudent we are, the more wisdom we have in that, the more successful we are in how we, and how we interact with others and what we do. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. No, I love that example. And of course that's hitting at the heart of, I'm sure many, many, many of our listeners, I know it hits at my heart too, because that is one of the things that we are constantly, I think, charged with is helping to get people back to church or into church in the first place, right? I'm spreading the good news, but uh, helping them respond to Christ in faith. And I think that you make a very good point that uh, that requires prudence. It requires this practical wisdom, and it's something we can pray for. We can pray that God increase our prudence. And I love, too, what you said, Father, about that we can pick this up from other people, this wisdom, and that there is a necessity even of looking to others when it comes to gaining prudence. And, and uh, is that something that just is kind of willy-nilly, or would you suggest we, uh, well, I mean, you already said we need to learn God's laws, certainly, but Correct, I mean, yes. um, it would, is this where maybe something like a relationship with, uh, with somebody who's older or more advanced in the faith could be really fruitful as well? Exactly. No, I think this is the whole point of spiritual direction. This is the right. whole point of, you know, of the church giving us this great, you know, these canonized saints that we can look to that, you know, that, in other words, sort of people with a proof, you know, that, that the church has put its stamp of approval of saying, look to this for wisdom, look to their example, to their lives, you know, or f- for any of us in a less official way, you know, parents or mentors or when, you know, when anyone is brought into the church as an adult, they're required to have a sponsor. The idea there is to gain from that or godparents. Mm-hmm. The church really, you know, this that that communal aspect of the church has this built in in almost every aspect. So it's yeah, yeah. so it's very important. Because we're never in this alone. I think that's another important thing to remember. And we don't have to reinvent the wheel with each new generation or, you know, with each new time. We all we have that wisdom that's been passed down that we can all gain from incredibly. Right. And maybe maybe just one clarifying point, too, because um, our, our, you know, we don't have to we don't have to be you're not you're not saying that prudence requires us to be. Uh, you know, scholars or theologians, expert theologians or something like that, but rather just to be on the kind of the constant lookout for this practical wisdom from wherever it may come. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You know, and so, yes, yeah, so it's not to say, because again, it's different than just mere intelligence, you know, right. or just our, our knowledge of facts. So of course, the more we know about the, the more we learn about theology and about religion is always good, but it's not that, you know, but that's not the, the point of it is more the practical wisdom of what to do and and how it is that we you know that we live out our lives as Christians that's not you know that that's something that God gives us in grace but then also I think most of the time quite frankly God gives that to us by mediating it through others 
mm-hmm. through the examples of others and the people he puts in our lives that we pick up wisdom from as we go mm-hmm. and as we advance. Yeah. Well, very good. Again, our spiritual director today, Father Tim Wichiscala, who is the pastor of St. Mark the Evangelist Catholic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we're talking about conquering sin with virtue. If you have had ways, if you have examples of how the virtues have played a, a, a developing role in your life, if you've lived out your spiritual life more fruitfully because you have tried to cultivate these habits, these inclinations toward the good in your own life, love to hear how you've done that, especially if you have practical tips on how to grow in any one of these virtues. We'd love to hear it. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Maybe you know somebody who's a very prudent person and you'd like to uh, give them a shout out on the program. Call us up. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine, or you can always send us an email inner life at relevantradio.com. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we've got more of the inner life, more of conquering sin with virtue. We got at least three more virtues to go. So stick with us. We're going to be back right after this. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Glad you could join us as we're talking about conquering sin with virtue. Our spiritual director today is Father Tim Wichiscala, who is leading us through this conversation. And we've just, uh, well, just time kind of demands that we keep moving through the four cardinal virtues, but we're just winding up a discussion on prudence. Father, uh, one of the things that occurred to me when we said, like, looking, uh, you know, looking to those elders, looking to those spiritual directors in our lives, would, I mean... Is prudence something we can learn from studying the lives of the saints and praying with the saints as well? Oh, certainly. Just like any of the virtues, yeah. Sure. You know, I think of, specifically in our recent times, I think of a more, you know, St. John Paul II, John Paul the Great, as, especially if we're thinking about evangelizing, prudently evangelizing, his ability to engage engage the world, engage people that were very far outside the Christian world. You know, you think of, like, you think of communism in Eastern Europe and all of that, that his ability to meet them at their level, not just coming in immediately condemning everything, but meeting them at their level and then moving them towards Christ, moving them mm-hmm. towards, you know, that experience, that relationship with Christ and knowing, you know, and, and, you know, even in our own church now, Pope Francis, this idea of accompaniment of, of meeting people where they are, but then moving them forward towards that is really something which takes prudence. Cause you know, yeah. you might think, an imprudent person might immediately come in with strong condemnations and speaking the truth, sure, but again, in, intelligently speaking what the church teaches, but without the prudence to invite and to be and to be to be inviting and also you know to attract those to the faith, that's uh, you know it's a great need for prudence in that. And I think yeah. so. Like I said, John Paul II is a great example of that in our yeah. recent church. Yeah, absolutely. And following up on that, maybe our listeners, maybe you have a story of how you have been prudent in uh, sharing the faith with another person, knowing that meeting them where they're at, as we were just saying, how have you exercised prudence in doing that and not coming down heavy handed and strong and uh, condemning on another person, but helping them. And maybe you've seen fruit from that as well. Give us a call. 888-914-9149. 
Well, Father, I think maybe uh, we should move on to justice and talk about that. Again, our will to give what is due to God and neighbor, you defined it as. And so any thoughts of uh, how we cultivate justice in our lives? I mean, obviously it takes prudence um, in order to do that, hence prudence being the the queen of the virtues. But uh, how do we live out justice in our lives? Sure. You know, so to grow in justice, I think, in many ways is to grow in humility, because when we're humble, when we're not prideful, we start to understand, we start to go outside of ourselves and realize we owe certain things to others. So first and foremost, the justice that we owe to God is the fact, you know, that he created us from nothing out of no other motivation than than to share himself and love with his creation. Our response to that injustice is to respond with love, to respond with worshiping him, with honoring him, with with giving him his due. So one of the ways, and this seems, you know, this might seem simple, but one of the ways we grow in justice is we go to mass and we Hmm. join in the public worship of God to give him his due and his honor and to constantly remind ourselves that we are the creature, not the creator. So that, you know, so as, as those who have been created that we owe him to that and we orient ourselves to that, you know, the church is what we call the obligation of Sunday worship is really all about that, is about the fact that that's necessary for us as human beings to fully understand who we are in relationship to, you know, to God. And when that happens, when we grow in that, then we're also then able to grow in our understanding of what we owe our neighbor, Mm. what we know, you know, that's the whole church's mission of charity and almsgiving and all of those things. You know, I think this is a big part of Pope Francis's papacy as well as what, you know, what justice demands that we as Christians then remind the world. This is the, this is exactly what the prophetic witness is to call people, you know, to call ourselves and others to what we owe God and worship and what we owe to each other, you know, as our obligations as brothers and sisters. So the more we grow in prayer and the more we grow in humility, I think naturally, then we become more just. Okay. And uh, if, if, so you would say that pride is maybe one of the, one of the cardinal sins that works against justice. Uh, sure. Now, you know, yeah. ultimately pride underlies every sin and sure. works against all these virtues, but particularly here because pride, pride, you know, tells us that it's all about us, you know, so why would you go to, you know, why would you go to Sunday worship if you're really only worried about what you're doing for yourself? And why would you worry about the poor or those who are being mistreated in the world? Or if it, if it was only about serving myself, and I only go inward, you know, which is the great sin of the evil one, first and foremost, then we not only lose sight of God, but we lose sight of each other. You know, that's what sin does in the Old Testament. The original sin tears Adam and Eve away from God, and then ultimately at Babel, it tears humanity away from each other because it it, it inverts justice. So pride is really the ultimate inversion of justice, I would say. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, it seems to me that justice then has a lot to do the way you've defined it has a lot to do with living out love, right? I mean, you're Correct. looking at the other right. and seeing what the other is owed, and uh, they're owed our, our love, just as Christ hey, loves yeah. the world, yeah. What we might call, yeah, love or supernatural charity, all of that is yeah. is deeply involved in justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And I do think that there's probably plenty of temptations out there away from that, especially in an age where we live in this kind of hyper autonomy and uh, you know we define our own identity and and it's really focused on you know living our lives as our lives taking control of that projecting ourselves on onto the world and maybe even imposing ourselves on the world so it seems like justice is um in in terms of it being a cardinal virtue and how we've defined it um and all the other ways that it works itself out but primarily that um that is what will 
help us to work against that sort of inclination. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also it's a very modern inclination yeah. to, you know, to to hurt justice by separating the justice owed to God with the justice owed to our neighbors. Because yeah. if you think about it, the modern world certainly likes to think of itself as more just, as more open, as more, you know, Social justice is a huge part of our, especially for the young, of our modern world. But it, they've, it's been separated from the justice owed to God, you know. And because of that, because it's always because it's lost that full picture, I think it it always ends up becoming subversive or not not accomplishing its goals. So when we we have to always, you know, as Christ says, love of God and love of neighbor have become one. Mm. That's the greatest commandments, you know. And in Christ, they became one, but they really can't be separated. Yeah. Um, you know, we can love God. Our, we can't love God and ignore our neighbor, just like we really can't truly love our neighbor if we don't have that understanding of our love of God, yeah. or at least it, it loses its it, its fullness in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, take on that that I have often used, and I'm sure I will use again in the program. But is that if you don't, if you love your neighbor more than you love God, then you don't love your neighbor enough, right? Correct. I mean, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. No, I like yeah. that. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, and then one other thing, practically speaking, when in terms of living out justice, and this just hinges right on what you were saying about uh, how getting to mass and and offering God the worship that He is due in in mass. Uh, that that's that ties right in with honoring the Sabbath day, it seems to me, too, that, that uh, we are reminding ourselves that we are the creature and not the creator, that not everything depends solely on us, but rather it all depends on God. Right. <clears throat> exactly. You know, so we grow in it there. And just as we grow in it in our exercise of charity, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the more we learn that everything is a gift from God and really is all his due anyways, injustice, it all belongs to him, then the easier it is for us to realize injustice it's to be used to help you know to help ensure that everybody here has what they need or has what we're able to help them towards you know to make other people's lives better in love and all of that so yeah we grow in justice just like you said on sundays at mass just as much as we grow in justice by giving in charity and giving of ourselves for others i love it yeah it's uh yeah, it's inseparable, as you said, Father, the love of God and love of neighbor. And uh, I love the way that justice kind of brings that to the fore and reminds us of that time and again. Very good. We're talking about conquering sin with virtue here on The Inner Life today with our spiritual director, Father Tim Wichiscala. And he is, uh, we've gotten two out of the four that we've talked about, prudence and justice. But any of the four, if you have stories in your life that uh, you have lived out these virtues, maybe there's a particular way that you practice justice on a regular basis. Um, maybe you make it to Mass, of course, but uh, if there's, there's other ways that you give God and neighbor what is due, give us a call. Let us know what that is, 888-914-9149. Maybe you have a question about how to live out justice in a particular situation in your life that you're feeling or you're experiencing or you're encountering right now. Give us a call, 888 well, Father, with your permission, I think we'll move on to temperance because, man, there's a lot that could be said about temperance. And I know, at least in my own life, this is one of the virtues that I struggle with incorporating uh, probably most profoundly in, in many ways. Um, so, again, mastering our will in terms of our appetites and our desires. I can see a whole list of sins that um, could be conquered if we can just get temperance right. So how do we do that, Father? Yeah, you know, the temperance is really, I think it's, it's, 
it's the easiest for us to put our finger on because it's the most bodily, you know, it's yeah. the most material of them, you know. And so another way to put it, I would say, is it's our abil- temperance is our ability to enjoy the things of this world without being controlled by them. Mm. And it's always important to remember that, you know, that the things of this world, like, you know, let's just use the most basic examples, food and drink. And by drink, I even mean alcohol, you know, so food and I, they are in and of themselves bad. But if we're not able to use them temperately, it's very easy then to see when we get into gluttony mm-hmm. where that takes us. So, you know, so temperance is one of those. It, it's probably the easiest to see as a habit or, you know, to understand as a habit. You know, if we're able to remember that we are not just mere animals, you know, that we don't just go by nature, that we have a will, that our will is in control of our appetites. So just mm-hmm. because the body is hungry or wants more of something doesn't necessarily mean you know, that it gets it. Now that also, of course, gets into, to, you know, to material things. We can very, temperance also involves what we, what we have or simplicity of life, not being controlled by the drive for money and wealth and material things and having the latest and greatest technology, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So this is something too, it takes, it takes discipline, but I think I'm always a big proponent because people often ask me, you know, in the confessional or or something, how do I grow in these? I'm always a big proponent of being specific in prayer. Okay. If there's something that, you know, if there's something that you want to grow in, even if you know it in your mind, God knows it, it still is so important for us to to name that in prayer. Mm -hmm. Because again, it it orients us to be open to the grace then that helps us grow in these things. Yeah. There is also something to be said for when we, especially for temperance, because as we know, grace builds on nature, builds on, you know, on who we are as a human person, sometimes we need extra help from even, even beyond the spiritual life, you know, in, you know, when it comes to counseling or when it comes to techniques that, you know, that if, if our gluttony or intemperance gets to the point of addictions or things like that, there, you know, there are certain things we can do to seek help from professionals or anyone that, you know, that can help us to, to, to overcome these things along with, of course, asking God for his help. You know, so there's lots of different degrees of these things. You know, I think we can all, we all know the experience of having a great meal that afterwards we think, man, I wasn't very temperate. I shouldn't have had that third or fourth helping, whatever it was. Those <laughs> can, the, the most simple example of that, you know, but it really applies to anything. And I think, I think Christ really, you look at the life of Christ. He was able to enjoy food and drink. You know, think of the wedding feast at Cana. Think of oftentimes dining at, you know, at the homes of tax collectors, people who are wealthy sinners. We know Christ was not averse to banquets and to, to worldly celebrations, but it never, it never, you know, became something that he was controlled by or that he was, that he was immoderate in or intemperate in or, or moved towards that. So it's just a, it's something that we just always have to be aware of and ask for God's help in. Cause we you know on the one side, we could become puritanical and say all the things of this world are bad, sure, which right. is not true. And right. on the other side, we can become hedonists where we just say it's all about pleasure and, and whatever you want. So, you know, so temperance takes us to where God wants us, which again, he created the world. So of course it's good, yeah. but he also does not want the world is not, you know, is not our final goal is to, to have the things of this world and to just enjoy the things of this world, but to do yeah. so temperately. Now, just off the top of my head here, Father, do you think do you think temperance is attractive? Because I, I just I'm thinking of well, not only my own life, but lives of others that I've observed. And in this day and age, it seems like there's uh, you know there's a lot of pursuit after pleasure, and that seems to be very attractive to the point of 
yeah, overindulging, intemperance, and as you said, even addiction, that that's, uh, that's one of the things that besets our society, certainly. So um, do you think that there is an attractive thing about temperance? And if so, what is it? Yeah, because I think when people are able to see a person who's very temperate or, or who, who has really grown in this virtue, what they see really is an incredible amount of freedom. They're not uh-huh. controlled by, you know, by all the, all these other things that control so many of us or that we are constantly struggling with to see someone, you know, especially again, we look at the saints to see someone free of that, indifferent to the worldly wealth or indifferent to all the other things that, you know, the, 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 the sexual life and the, and out, you know, the, the all the things that, yeah. that that define what it is to be you know to be to have fun or to be happy all those things that end up enslaving us to those things when we see someone who's free of that yes i think it's i think it's attractive and i think it's something that people think man i wish i had that yeah if they're if they're honest with themselves yeah. I, I i like that a lot I, the the freedom aspect of it i i like that people are able to observe that and two i mean a lot of these uh inclinations to be intemperate probably come from within and as you said appetites and desires but those those influences can come from without as well i'm thinking things like peer pressure right you're in a group um where maybe your friends are together and they're starting to overindulge in whatever it would be you know food or alcohol or something like that and uh even in those situations too we need to be we need to be temperate but also playing off of what you just said that realizing that that's attractive as well it's yeah, it is. It's interesting because we oft, we sometimes think of it as, you know, if you're temperate, if you're disciplined, you're giving up all these fun things or what, you know, or you're giving up that, you know, the full extent of what you could experience as pleasure in this life. When in reality, you're, you're more, you're not only more free, but ultimately more joyful and more happy in that too. Being temperate is the, you know, it is the reward in and of itself, not just something that to say, oh, I'm going to suffer and be temperate. So that I, you know, they're having their fun now, but I'll be rewarded later. No, it's really the reward is being temperate yeah. because you're able to enjoy things without being controlled by things. And I think that's such an such it's that's so missing in the modern world, especially. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's such an important part of being, you know, being happy because it's yeah. such a source of anxiety and suffering and, you know, and hardship in people's lives. Right. So, right. These uh, evangelical councils of poverty, chastity, and obedience are starting to make a lot of sense when I've seen yes, in lines of the virtues. <laughs> it turns, yeah. out, turns out this whole system seems to work together. Who, yeah. <laughs> who, who would have imagine, thought imagine, yeah. That. Well, imagine that. It's like somebody, somebody very wise thought this up. All right, let's, yeah. um, <laughs> let's take a phone call, Father. We've got John who's calling in from Encinitas, California. Good morning, John. Thanks for calling in. Two quotes from Thomas Aquinas and Augustine of Hippo. One about prudence, one about temperance. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas said that prudence is the highest of all the virtues, wise judgment. And Augustine, who lived a very intemperate early life, had that great quote, some people have the feast first and then the headache. Others have the fast first and then the feast. Hmm. I love that. That's awesome. You know, and both those both those saints you just mentioned are really, to, especially Aquinas is like he's sort of considered the master of understanding what we call virtue ethics or what we're talking about today, the importance of virtues and growing in the spiritual life. But yeah, right. those are great, great quotes. Yeah, very that. good. 
Thank you, John. I really enjoy that. Thank you for the for the quotes. And it's always good to learn from the saints, as we said before. We're talking about conquering sin with virtue with our spiritual director, Father Tim Wichiscala, and we are... Yeah, I'm making good progress through the four cardinal virtues. If you have a way that you would like to talk about, you have a question about some of the virtues, living them out in your life and maybe specific situations that you're facing, our phone number here is 888-914-9149. Very welcome to call 888-914-9149 or our email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We're going to take our next break, but we got more of the inner life. We got more virtues to cover coming up with our spiritual director, Father Tim Wichiscala, right after this. Stay with us. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, invites you to check out The Quest, a five-episode video series on discovering our purpose and living it with courage. Start watching The Quest for free at RelevantRadio.com slash quest. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, Thomas Engeser, taking your phone calls, and our spiritual director, Father Tim Wishescala, from He is the pastor of St. Mark the Evangelist Catholic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana. We're talking about conquering sin with virtue today, and I'm grateful for you joining us as we're making our way through the four cardinal virtues uh, Father, I just learned, will be at the Eucharistic Congress uh, this uh, next July in the middle of 2024 there in Indianapolis. So um, why not join him and join Relevant Radio? We're proud to be the number one sponsor of the Eucharistic Congress coming up in July. Let's show up for Jesus. Check it out at relevantradio.com slash indie. Let's go now to Clark calling in from Sacramento, California. Good morning, Clark. Thanks for calling in. Uh, thank you for having my call. Absolutely. I just want to share two examples of prudence that I, I've been called prudence in my life. Please. Uh, the first example, the, the first example of prudence that I've been called was I had my first child out of wedlock. So before I had his baptism, I went to confession for it. Hmm. So, so that that was one example. And so a we we held a party for the baptism, and this his godmother called me prudence. Yeah, that's very good. It, it, it's a very good example of prudence leading us towards that sacrament, you know, which we all need at times in our lives, and which we all benefit from. But especially, you know, to have the prudence and the wisdom to do that before such a monumental event as your child's baptism, so that you yourself could, you know, could experience the grace of that moment as well. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Clark, for that. What, what, what's your other example of prudence, Clark? I, I try to go to confession at these monumental times in my life. So I'm a college professor at the University of California at Sacramento. Hmm. And I, before each semester, I try to go to my more, more, more of like a spiritual advisor to make sure I'm on the right path, clear head, so I can instill these hmm. students I'm teaching for each semester the grace of God and just the grace of learning the material that I teach. Right. That's a great example of what prudence does for us. And that, you know, as I said, it gets us, it, you know, it, it takes you to a place where you then can receive more, you know, 
the wisdom and grace you need to then do God's work in your students' lives, which yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Love it, Clark. Two great examples of being prudent and living that out, and uh, yeah, seeing the the fruits of that hopefully in your in your own life as well. Father, we've uh, we've got uh, well, I don't know, about ten minutes, less than ten minutes now in the show. So I want to make sure that we cover the virtue of fortitude. Um, so fortitude. Uh, obviously, we all we all have examples that we've seen, and it's oftentimes depicted to us in the things that we read, the things that we watch, that sort of thing of what we would call courage. But specifically, fortitude is a little more refined than that. So what is fortitude as a virtue in our spiritual lives, and uh, how might we cultivate that? Yeah, I think the, you know, the, probably the easiest way to understand fortitude is it's the endurance, the endurance to continue to move forward in the spiritual life no matter what. Uh, you know, the, it, as the, the catechism puts it in the, you know, the context of conquering fear, even fear of death, you know, so this is the great mm. virtue of the martyrs. And you, if you want to see the ultimate example of fortitude in the faith, no matter what, look at the martyrs, um, those we were read for on their feast days. Uh, you know, and, but even more than that most extreme example, I think the fortitude to live the spiritual life, to live the Christian life, to witness the Christian life, even when it's not popular, even when it's, you know, sort of mocked or seen as, you know, seen as something not socially acceptable, which I would say is probably where we are right now in our context and our culture. Sure. And then, you know, it's also important to remember within your own spiritual life, the fortitude to continue forward even when you failed. So not even putting mm. it in the context of, you know, the judgment of others or the persecution of others, but at times our own, you know, sort of our own persecution of ourselves. So often I see people trying to strive in the spiritual life and they mess up or they fail or they fall back, which we all do. And then they suddenly, it's, it's almost like, well, I tried, but I'm going to give up now, or I, I can't do it. Or, you know, so mm-hmm. fortitude gets us to understand God never gets tired of forgiving us, but he also never gets tired of giving us the grace necessary to keep moving forward. And we, and wow. it's exactly, that's, that's what, that's what it is to live the spiritual life is to have the fortitude yeah. to keep doing that. Because until the day we die, we are going to continue to need that mercy just as we're going to continue to need that grace. Yeah. I, I'm so glad that you brought that up, Father, because uh, we frequently get people calling in that are struggling to forgive themselves. I know even if, right. if they've been to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, I'm sure you're familiar with this as well, but um, they've been to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. They received absolution from their sins, and yet they still struggle with forgiving themselves for a sin that they've done. And you're putting it out there pretty plainly that, yeah, we need to call on the Lord to help us with our fortitude in those types of situations, right? Right, exactly. That's yeah. it's, that's the only thing that keeps us moving. You know, otherwise we would we would all give up at some point, or we would, because ultimately that's what it is. You know, that's perfection in the Christian life is not, you know, being perfect in the absolute sense, but to continue in fortitude to seek mm-hmm. forgiveness and grow every single day. Yeah, I'm wondering if one of the one of the sins that we can overcome then with a, a good cultivation of the virtue of fortitude is something like despair. I mean, it's something like saying, well, just, you know, kind of giving up, like you said, uh, maybe acedia or, or sloth or something like that along those yeah. lines as well might be countered with fortitude. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, especially despair, you know, and yeah. as well as, you know, our tendency to kind of be dualistic where we think, OK, I'm in grace. I'm going to do well. I messed up. Now I'm out of God's grace. I'm just going to go ahead and fall down this path of sin, you know, so to, to not see it that way, but, you know, to continue in hope that that. Our hope reminds us of God's mercy, just like it reminds us of our ability to continue forward. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, Father, just in our last few minutes here, uh, before we ask for your blessing, um, so I think it's been a great discussion on each of the four of the cardinal virtues and how we how we move forward in them, how we to, can work in, towards with again with the, cooperating with the grace of God in our lives to grow in each of these virtues. Any particular uh, resources, prayers, um, practices that we could put into place that you would recommend for any of those who want to continue to do this uh, to continue to grow in virtue? Yeah, you know, and so. One of the things I've already mentioned as far as just a practice, practical thing is, as I said, be be specific in your prayer. You know, if there's a particular virtue that you're working on or a particular vice you're working to grow away from, you know, again, God knows it, of course, and you know it. But it's so important to voice that in prayer and be specific about it in prayer and ask for the grace necessary, um, you know, because I think the more we do that, then the more the more open we are to that particular grace and not just to be so vague as to say, help me grow in all virtue and grow away from all sin. But really, you know, pick things out and discern things in your own examination of what what you'd like to work on and grow on. That's a great time. Advent and Lent are the great times specifically yeah. to do that. But really, any time yeah. as far as resources, I wish I'd been you know more prepared on the exact. There's a great book. And now they name it. It's the seven, the seven um, deadly sins and the seven lively virtues. I cannot oh, think yeah. who wrote it. Yes, but it's a great book on not just the four cardinal virtues, but just this idea that virtue is what really helps us overcome sin because we see it in terms of habits, good and bad. And we as human beings grow in habits, whichever ones we cultivate are the ones we grow in. So that's that understanding of growing in virtues. Yeah. So that's it's a great book. I'm sorry, I don't, I, I can't think of the author, but, um, but, but yeah. Well, yeah. For anyone good. who's really into the classics, by the way, I would consider one of the greatest works on virtue itself. It, you know, it's it's not an easy read, but it's probably heard of it in school. But Dante's Purgatorio, uh-huh. the second part of the Divine Comedy after the Inferno, before the Paradiso. Purgatorio is about traveling up the mountain of purgatory, overcoming the seven deadly sins. Each one is countered by a virtue and then an example from Mary's life as they go through, she being the ultimate example of virtue. As they go up the mountain, he gives you each of the deadly sins and then expounds on the virtue that helps overcome it. So it's a great, yeah. it's a great thing as well. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I I believe that, well, it may be Bishop Barron who is the... Um, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yes, seven, I think seven that. deadly sins and seven lonely virtues. Yeah, right. and so um, yeah, that's that's one of the things that uh, yeah I would definitely encourage that uh, reading and, and studying and and hey you can never go wrong with Dante if you can hack it right. I mean I've exactly. wandered into Dante a few it. times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. It's it's not only sometimes difficult to read, but it's sometimes difficult to ingest too. I mean exactly. he's got such a find find yeah. a copy with a very good commentary if you do. Yeah, that. right. Right. Yeah, it's very good. Well, Father, it's been a pleasure having you on the inner life today. Thank you so much Enjoyed for being it very with much, us. Too. Patrick. Thank yeah, you. talk through the virtues with us. But uh, we always like to close the show with a blessing from you. So if you would, please. I'd be happy to. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord continue to fill your hearts with his grace and continue to give you the grace necessary to grow in virtue. And may Almighty God bless you all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Again, our spiritual director has been Father Tim Wichiscala from Indianapolis, Indiana. Growing in the Virtues, great conversation we had. So if you know somebody who needs to hear it, go to relevantradio.com slash inner life and share it with somebody else. Tomorrow on the program, Father Richard Hermes, a new spiritual director, is also going to lead us through a discussion on why have a devotion to the saints. 
Why are the saints so important in living out your spiritual life? Coming up next, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Stay tuned for that. And then a little Jesus 101 after that. Until next time, grace and peace.